Okay, good morning everyone. Welcome to the life and Torah of our leaders. Live Tuesday mornings, 11.30 with first Seder Beis Medrash. And a special welcome to our Torah Anytime viewers and listeners who will be joining this year. Today we're going to talk about the Maram Shik, And this is really um, a continuation of the same time period that we've been exploring the last few weeks. Beginning with the Aruch Lanar was a little earlier, but continuing with Reb Shleim Eger, the Ksav Seifer, Reb Shamshin Rafal Hirsch, um, the same Tkufa with similar battles. We move on now eastward to the Maram Shik. And I think this probably will be the last personality um, for a while from this time period, as next week, Bez Hashem, will be going back in history a little bit. Who is the Maram Shik? The Maram Shik, whose yard site will be on Rishchai Shvat on Thursday, 142nd yard site, was Rav Moshe ben Rav Yosef Shik, Zichrayna Livracha. His father was Rav Yosef, as we just mentioned, was a very chash of a person in the city of Brezhov, which is in the area of Nitra, which today would be called uh, Northwest Slovakia. In those days it was part of, the, of Hungary. Um, he was of Oyev Taira. He was a wealthy person who had, in fact, sponsored the purchase of a piece of land for the shul in the city, cost him 500 zehuvim, 500 golden coins. His yichus reached way back to the Taisvis Yantif. Um, his great grandfather, Rabbi Yosef's great grandfather, was a yid named Rabbi Chanoich Henech Shik from the city of Shkolov in Lita. He was from the Choshev Rabbanim of Lita um, in the Tkufa right after the Vilna Gain, and some of the Gain's Svarim that were put out by his family or Talmidim after his Petira, there's a Haskama from Rav Chanoi Chenuch Shik on the first printing of the Shulchan Aruch HaRav Hilchas from the Balatanya is also a Haskama from Rav Chanoi Chenuch Shik. And uh, from his children, the family split into uh, two areas. One area stayed in Lita, and there are many Chasheva Lithuanian Rabbanim throughout the generations named Shik. And some of them went to Moravia, to Marin, and that's where the branch of the family, the Hungarian branch of the family Shik, um, comes from. His wife, Rabbi Yosef's wife's name was Rivka, and she was the daughter of Rav Peretz Frankel, who was the Avbezdin in a city called Gedung. And there's a tshuva in Naidi Behuda Kama, Ebenezer Samachtes, to the city, Likak Gedung. And it doesn't say who's the one who asked the question, but the Naidi Behuda is uh, going back and forth with the Shayel, and it's Mekubal in the family of the Maram Shik that this was. Rav Peretz, the Rav of the, of the city, was the Shail of that Shaila. In Chuvas Maram Shik himself, in Yeridea Simindalachin, he writes, in Sefer Yad Yadi, and in the margins of the Sefer Yad that I have, that I got, he says the following. So he quotes his grandfather there in the, in the Chuvas. Um, when the Maram Shik, I know I'm jumping ahead, but just to say, just to give an, uh, a picture of his family, when he was in the city of Pax in Hungary, 
for the marriage of his nephew, Rabbi Yisrael Dushinsky, the father of Rabbi Yosef Dushinsky, who eventually was the Rav of Yerushalayim, of the Eidah Haredus. So when he was there for, the, for his nephew's wedding, so the Rav of the city called him up for an aliyah, he said, Yamoid Moira Moireinu Rabbi Moshe Ben Moireinu Rabbi Yosef. And the Maram Shik told him, he said, my father was never called Meirenu. He wasn't a Meirenu, he wasn't a Rav. So the Rav answered him, his name was Rabbi Yoel Unger, I think. The Rav answered him that if your father was Zaycha to have a son like you, so it's befitting to call him Meirenu, and I'm giving him that title now. So that is his parents, those are his parents, Rabbi Yosef and his mother Rivka. The Maram Shik, Rabbi Moshe, was born, Chaf Aleph Adar, Tov Kuf Samach Zayin, 1807 in the city of Brezhov, and that's how he signed for the rest of his life all of his tshuvas. If you look in tshuvas of Ramshik, he signed it, Moshe Shik Mi Brezhov, in tshuvas Chsam Seifer, or Achaim Yudzayin, and other places, he refers to his Talmud, Moshe Brezhov. Moshe Brezhov. Um, when he was very young, he did not have a very good head. He loved to learn, he wanted to learn, but he did not have a good grasp, very, qu- very slow to understand things, and very quick to forget things. However, he wanted to learn so much, he would stay up late at night reviewing his learning as a young child, many, many times, sometimes even 40 times. He would review his learning for the next day, so maybe he'd be able to remember it. And he would cry in Davin HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that he wants to learn Torah and remember Torah. And he never gave up. And eventually, HaKadosh Baruch Hu answered his tefillahs and his mind opened up, opened up and became like a, a sponge. And he, he, he was able to understand, he was able to remember, um, as we'll see later in the shir. And he would tell this to Talmidim later on that they should never give up and look at him. He became anything he became. If you would have seen him as a child, you would have given up and sent him to become some type of bean counter somewhere. But look, he persevered and he davened and HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave him Siyat HaDishmaya. He was also a very weak, sickly child, but he never um, let that stand in his way. At the age of 11, he traveled to the yeshiva of his uncle, Reb Yitzchok Frankel, who was called Reb Itzik Shusberg. He had been from a city, Shusberg, which is a city in Slovakia. Um, eventually, after that, he became the Rav of a place in Austria, Frankreichen. And um, I'm not exactly sure where the yeshiva was at the time, if it was in Shusberg or it was in a different place. I saw two different... Uh, um, two different Svarim said it differently. One, one place had the yeshiva being in Bragendorf, which I'm not sure where it is. There's numerous Bragendorfs, but in Germany and Switzerland, I didn't find one in the Slovakia area, so I'm not 100% sure. But he's called Reb Itzik Shusberg, and in fact, the Maram Shik in one of his Svarim and Tariag Mitzvahs, he writes, Unihira, and I remember when I was young, Kadavitalia, Vishamati, and I heard from my uncle, um, Doidi Reb Itzik Shusberg. Um, this Reb Yitzchak, just as a as a, uh, a a piece of information, was the Rebbe of Rabbi Avram Shag. Rabbi Avram Shag was the Rebbe of Rabbi Yosef Chaim Zonenfeld. He went Rabbi Avram Shag eventually was a Rav in Europe, in in uh, Slovakia or in Hungary, and he uh, went to in Hungary actually, and he went to Eretz Yisrael, Yerushalayim, Besayf Yamov. I think we might have mentioned him. I think he lived in one of the houses that was uh, named after the Aruch Liner. And he took his Rabbi Yosef Chaim Zonnenfeld, his Talmud, along with him. They're actually buried right next to each other in Harazesim. I was able to be at their kvarim a few years ago. 
And in the drushas of Rabbi Bram Shag, called drushas Harosh, Simen Chav Gimel, he actually has a hespid that he said on his Rebbe, Rabbi Yitzchak, Rabbi Yitzchak Shusberg. Um, while he was in his years of, in his teenage years, the Maram Shik's father was Nifter, I'm not exactly sure exactly which year it was, but while he was a teenager. When he was 14 years old, so he went to his uncle at the age of 11, the age of 14, his uncle told him it's time for him to go learn in the yeshiva, the Chassam Soifer. And he was supposed to go for winter's man, which would start after Sukkot. So he left his city um, during Aseris Yimei and most of the way he walked from city to city, from village to village. So Sometimes he got a ride on a wagon part of the way, and he got there on the eighth day of Aseris Yimei the day when we recite the slicha of Yud Gimel Midas. And when the Chassam Seifer saw this short and young ba- Bachar, he asked him what he wanted, what are you doing here? And he says, I want to come to the yeshiva. The Chassam Seifer says, this yeshiva is for older Bacharim, big Talmidei Chachamim, um, and um, it's not for young Bacharim like you. The Chassam Seifer, during Aserah Simei Tshuva, his minig was, he would daven in the central shul in Pressburg. And after davening, he would then go to the base medrash of the Bachrim to talk to them in learning. And that morning, he started talking and learning, and he threw out a question, they were going back and forth, and all of a sudden, there's a little voice who throws out a svara. And the older Bachrim totally ignored him, who's this little pipsqueak, so to speak, um, um, trying to mix into our conversation. But Chassam Seifer heard it, he heard the svara, and he said, who said that? And he said, he did a very low voice, he said, it was me. So Chassam Seifer told him, you were just mechavin la'amita shal taira. You were just um, said something that is in the truth, the, the truth of taira. And at that point, the Chassam Seifer said he could learn in the yeshiva. And in fact, he invited him to eat the suda on Matzah Yom Kippur at his table in his house, uh, in, uh, in the Chassam Seifer's house. Um, that night, there was a lot of talking and learning as well. And from that point on, the Chassam Seifer invited him to eat at his table on Shabbos and Yontif, which was mostly reserved for the Moschash of Abachrim. Um, the Maram Shik in, in uh, Arachaim Reish Memtes actually mentions that he was from the Eichle Shulchanai on Shabbos of Yontif of the Chassam Seifer. He learned in the Chassam Seifer Yeshiva for six years. Um, and he became the Talmud Muvuk of the Chassam Seifer, so much so that in the preface to his Chuvas, his son, whose name was Rabbi Yosef, um, writes, Eilah asher diber Moshe. These are the words that my father Moshe, the Maram Shik, wrote before he was Nifter. Everything he, lear- he heard from his Rabbi the Chassam Seifer, whether it was an Agada and Drush, Hin Ba'alacha, everything is still in his mind, Mesudar, Serap, Varucha, and is uh, and is uh, in is um, in an orderly fashion. He says he remembered every single dvar Torah that he that he ever heard from his rabbi. This is what he said at the end of his life. That's what a a uh, a talmud chacham and a memory he had as a talmud of the Chassam Seifer. Um, and in fact, his talmidim would say before he would ever say a dvar Torah of his own, he would always first say a dvar Torah from his rabbi, the Chassam Seifer. One time the Chassam Seifer visited him later on when he was a Rav in Yergin and he walked into the Beis Medrash and 
the Maram Shik was giving Shir and he stopped saying his own Torah and he only said over Divrei Torah for the Chazam Seifer and the Chazam Seifer himself said some of those Divrei Torah I myself had already forgotten but I see the Maram Shik did not forget them. Um, now the the daughter of the Chazam Seifer Rebetzin Simcha Liman she said that the Chazam Seifer only looked for rich Shidduchim for his children. He said, I have the yichus, I don't need yichus, so he looked for rich shidduchim. The only time he entertained taking a poor bachar was the Maramshik. He wanted him as a son-in-law. However, the Maramshik told him, my name is Moshe and your name is Moshe. And according to Rabbi Yudha Chassid, it's not a, it's not a proper thing. So Chassam Seifer told him, if you're makbid, so then, if you're obviously bringing this up, so then it must not be, be mina shamayim. It's clear that Chassam Seifer wasn't so makbid because... Um, his daughter Simcha Liman, I don't know if the Maram Shik was for Simcha, the daughter Simcha, or for a different daughter. Um, I, I think it's probably for an older daughter, but I'm not, I'm not sure. But this daughter Simcha Liman was married to a man named Moshe Tuvia, Moshe Tuvia Liman. So um, you see the Chassam Seifer wasn't Makvid, but he told the Maram Shik, this is what she related, um, that she, he told the Maram Shik, if you're Makvid, if you're bringing it up, so then it's obviously not Mina Shamayim. So in the year 1827, Tovkov Pezayin, he married his wife Gittel. Gittel was his first cousin, the daughter of his uncle, Raperitz Frankel, um, from a city in Hungary, Hulich or something like that, which is now in the Ukraine. And he, uh, he promised to support him for 10 years. After 10 years, he needed Parnassa. The year was 1837. And the Chassam went to told a city called Yergin, which is a small city near Pressburg, a little village near Pressburg, and he said you should take the Maram Shik as a as the Rav. And in the in the month of Er of that year of Tov Kuf Tzadizayin 1837, he was already the Rav in Yergin. Um, he was being Masbid. There's how do we know that? Because hey Er he was Masbid Reb Kivager, and also the previous Rav Reb Shmuel Nadish who was the grandfather of Yosef Chaim Zonenfeld, had been the Rav in Yergin previously, and he was Masbid, he was also a Talmud of Chazam Seifer, and uh, the Maram Shik was Masbid, both of them together, on Hey Er of 1837. Um, the Bachrim started coming to him, and he had a big yeshiva, and he didn't was offered Rabbonus in other big cities, he didn't want to take them, because he felt he wanted to teach Taira, and in the small city of Yergin, he'd be able to teach Taira without any bothers, any tirdas of big cities. Yergin was a, there were uh, uh, mineral baths there that uh, the Chassam Seifer used to come in the summer months for a little vacation, and that's when that story we mentioned before, that he walked into the Bismedrish um, in the middle of the Shir, that's when that happened. He wrote his Sefer on Taryag Mitzvahs, he didn't print it, but he wrote his Sefer on Taryag Mitzvahs, and uh, some of his responses, his chuvas, were written in Yergin as well. He was the Rav in Yergin for 23 years. In Tafresh Chafalif, um, he became the Rav of Chust, or he was offered the Rabbanus in Chust. Chust is in the Unterland. There's the Oberland, the Upperland, and Unterland, the Underland. And that's how Hungary was split. Um, Oberland was more like the uh, Northwest. Um, of Hungary, the western part of Hungary, most of the people there were like from Austria or from Germany. They davened Ashkenaz. That was the Chassam Seifer, 
um, who came from Frankfurt. That was uh, called the Eberland. The Unterland was much more east, and those mostly were Chassidim who came from Galicia. So they were totally two different areas with two different ways of life, two different perspectives. Um, Ashkenaz, Svard, all these types of things, and even Adayemazeh. Hungarians um, identify themselves either as Eberlanders or the, the rest of them call, they don't call themselves Unterlanders so much anymore, but they just call themselves Hungarians. Um, so this was in the Unterland. The Unterland never heard of the Maramshik and they never even heard of the city called Yergin. The, they were looking for a Rav and they went to Tush, to Ravish Lowy, who was the original Tush Rebbe, I think. And... Um, he said that in, in no one in our land, meaning no one in our Medina, could come to, to, uh, to Rabbi Shashik. There's no one like him. So the, the, uh, the heads of the city went back to the city and they said, told them what the Tasha told them. And they said, we never heard of him before, we never heard of Yergin before, but this is what he says. We accept him as the Rav and they sent him immediately a Ksav Rabbonus. Um, when he, he got the Ksav Rabbanus, he clarified some points in it, and uh, once he was um, assured that the city of Yergin would take a Rav who was a Talmud Chacham and a Yari Shemayim, um, um, and that he would be able to have his Yeshiva in Chust, so he accepted the Rabbanus of Chust. Um, now, there were villages who lived, who were in the area of Chust, who used to actually pay half of the salary of the Rav of Chust, because he was like the, the Rav of the entire uh, region. And they were upset, how come no one asked them? They weren't upset that the Maram Shik was becoming the Rav, but they said, we want this Chust to be signed on the Ksav Rabbanus. And they sent a letter to the Maram Shik in protest. And he sent a letter back to Chust and said, they're right. So they got another Ksav Rabbanus that everybody signed on, and they sent it to him. And Eor of Tafresh, Chafalif, he came to Chust. His first drasha was Parshas Bechukaisai. He talked about Shalom. It's printed in the in the uh, in the Chidushim Aram Shikalatayra, but not. It doesn't clearly say which drasha was the first one. I just saw someone write that it's printed there. Um, and it seems that in the city there was a little bit of a schism between the main shul um, at that time, Davin Dashkenaz actually, and there was a and, and there was a, a break off of Nusach Sfard. And the Pasha needed to build a new shul, and they were having a machlaikas. So he spoke about the Indian of Shalom, and he said that we can't force the Anche, the people who daven Svar, to daven with us in the same shul. But they, since as they're parts of, they are um, residents of the city, they we could force them, and they're obligated to pay for the building of a shul. But once they pay for the building of a shul, we, the congregation, we, the city, are obligated to make sure that they have a place to daven themselves as well. And on Matzah Shabbos, the two parties got together and made shalom in the city. And that was his first, so to speak, bruchem abayim to the city, was he spoke about shalom and immediately he was able to bring shalom to the city in this argument that was going on. His rabbonus was a very strong rabbonus. Nothing happened to the city without him knowing. Um, he would daven in the Besmejish with his Talmidim, but on Shabbos and Yontif he would come to the main shul before Kriya Satayra, and he would stay till the end of davening. He spoke at specific times, like it was uh, delineated in his contract, Shabbos Mivarchim he would have to speak, Shabbos Agadol, Shabbos Shuvah, Rosh Hashanah before Tzkiya Shoifer, the first day of Slichas before Shema Kileinu. those were the times he had to speak, and at various other times he would speak as well. 
He was very involved in the schools and the Chadarim. Every Friday a different class and their Rebbe would come to be tested in a rotation. Any father who would want to take his child out of the Cheder to teach him a trade, he would first have to come to the Rav for permission. The Rav would look into the child. Is there any hope for him or not? And then he would give Rishus. If someone wanted to send his son to a yeshiva, he had to ask the Rav first, which yeshiva? He had to give his approval. In, fl- in fact, the Rosh HaKal, the head of the city, like the president, one time um, sent his son to learn in Oberland without telling the Rav, and he had to bring him back. The Rav said, you bring him back and we'll decide again. So he had to bring him back. Um, his yeshiva, the Talmidim Flak there, um, one of his big Talmidim was the Marshag, um, Rav Shimon Greenfeld was a Rav in Munkach, Rav Shol Brach was the Rav, uh, who, I mean, uh, Rav Marshag I think was a Dayan in Munkach, Rav Shol Brach was the Rav of Kasha, um, and other big Talmidim Chachamim um, and Rabbanim were his Talmidim. He was an unbelievable Masmid, he never slept more than three to five hours a night, um, he did not sleep during the day. He's, his son-in-law once found a piece of paper that had in it a, a list of how many times he reviewed each Mesechta in Shas. Well, one was 100, one was 60, numerous times. And when uh, the Maram Shik saw that his son-in-law discovered this, he said that I wrote it so that my descendants should find it after I am nifter, and it should take Musr of how much a person has to review their learning. Um, his wife would say that every night he would be chazering his learning in his sleep. Um, uh, most of the, every night this would happen for most of the night. He'd, his lips would be moving, he'd be talking, and he would be chazering his learning. Um, Rav Vosner, Rav Shmuel Vosner, Zechariah said he once saw the that belonged to the Maram Sheikh. And in the margin or in the front cover it said that he had learned Mesechta Bavakama 120 times. His mind, as we said, when he was young, he couldn't remember a thing. But his mind became like a, 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 uh, a, uh, a bookshelf of Svarim. Uh, svarim shrank. That's, it was just anything went in there, in there was, uh, was, was remembered. And even the end of his life, when he couldn't see anymore, he would still say Shir. And the Bacharim would want to see if he was saying the Shir, reading the Gemara, or saying it by heart, and they would actually turn the pages to see what would happen. And uh, he just continued reading the Gemara, the Rashi, and the Taisvis. Um, it was clear that he was saying it, um, he was saying it by heart. One time the Ksav Seifer was with him in a vacation place, in a, in, in, uh, where, in a place where there's the uh, springs and baths. And the Ksav Seifer had a tour Shulchan Aruch that was missing a page. So he sent someone to ask the Maramshik if he could borrow that volume from him. So the Maramshik wrote, took out a piece of paper, and he wrote down, Mila b'mila, word for word, the entire page of Shulchan Aruch with all of the commentaries on the side of it. And the Ksav Seifer, when the Talmidim brought it back, he said, why didn't he just lend me the volume? Why did he have to write it out for me? So they told him he didn't have one. He, he just wrote it out Balpeh. And the Ksav Seifer went to the Maram Shik. The Maram Shik said, I'm sorry, I, I don't have it. That's why I don't have any problem lending it to you, but I, I didn't have it. So he told him, such go'inus, I didn't even see in my father the Ksav Seifer, 
However, your ga'inus is only in the schus of my father, the Chassam Seifer. That was the Lashon the Chassam Seifer said about the Maram Shik, because the, the Chassam Seifer had actually sent to a different village to get a volume of the Shulchan Aruch, and he then um, matched up what the Maram Shik wrote to the actual volume, and he didn't miss one word. Um, it was Mila Bimila, the entire page, and that's why he was so nispoiled. Now, in, we mentioned the Marshag was his Talmud. There's a fascinating Tshuva and Tshuva's Marshag in Chelek uh, Bey, Zarechayim, at the end of Kuf Chafhei. The whole Tshuva is a fascinating Tshuva. In it, he actually says a vart on this week's Parsha, if you have access to the Tshuva's Marshag. And the Tshuva is about someone who, who, who asked the Mashayla that there's a new invention called a phonograph. A record player, that they started playing music at Simchas um, on this record player. And he wanted to know if he's allowed to go to the Simcha, the, um, the Shulchan Aruch brings down, the Berhetev brings down, and Hilchas uh, Avelus of the Churban, that Hashem says, uh, my children made me into like a kinor, into a harp, that they sing my songs. So he, he was, maybe it's not appropriate for him to go to a Simcha that's using this new invention, the phonograph, to, uh, to play music. Or on the other hand, it's a Sudas Mitzvah. And it's a fascinating tshuva from the, from the Marshag, how he answers that question. I it, don't have the time to go into it now. But at the end, he says like this. He says, I see from you that you think going to a Sudas Mitzvah is a, uh, is a big mitzvah to do. It's a big thing, because that's like your, you know, the premise of your question is, you know, your difficulty is Sudas Mitzvah, such an important thing. He says, I'll tell you it's not. He says... Um, if, the, if there'll be no minion, if you're the one who's going to make the minion, so then it's a mitzvah. But he says, if there's no, if there's a minion, there's no greater mitzvah than staying home and learning Torah. And he writes, I'll tell you a story that happened when I learned by my Rebbe, the Maram Shik. He said, I was getting married and I went to say goodbye to him and get his bracha. He says, my grandfather was one of the chashava Balabatim in Chust, and he came along with me. And he told my Rabbi the Maramshik that he should give me a piece of advice that there's no mitzvah for me to every time there's a Suda's mitzvah, any Simcha, any Suda, you know, there's no mitzvah to go to every Chasana and every Bris and every Bar Mitzvah. should give me some advice that, you know, I don't have to go to every Simcha. And the Maramshik told him, and he writes this in the Yiddish, he writes, the Marik, uh, um, and uh, my, the, my Rebbe told me, as Mizitstun men learnt, if we sit and learn, we never have any regrets. And he says, from then and on, I'm always constantly reminding them, reminding myself of those words. And I see, and I've tried it, it's tried and tested, that they are Amitim Unuchainim. It's better to sit and learn Advar Halacha. And levara halacha gadol yoyser mikolas machis shalzman hazeh. The simcha of learning is a greater simcha than any simcha that you're going to go to, unless it's a place when you're actually needed. Then, of course, you could go. And that was the Maram Shik's advice. And that's who the Maram Shik was. Everything was about limarat Taira. Now, if you remember, last week we talked about Reb Shamshim Fal Hirsch separating from his kehila. I'm separating his kehilah from the main kehilah in, uh, in Frankfurt. And a similar thing, if you remember, we talked about the Congress in the Ksav Seifer's days. The Congress in Hungary in the city of Pest, and the government wanted to make a Jewish Congress in 1869. 
And um, the Maramshik was one of the main players in going to be part of the Congress to to uh, promote and to push the from the Haredi um, agenda. And on Arachayim Shintas in his Shuvas, he explains why it's even allowed to be a part, why you're allowed to be a part of the Congress. You're not allowed to become partners and sit in the same groups together with Rishayim. And he says, after looking into this deeply, I see we're doing the right thing. He says, it's not our fault to play on words. We came down here at first. We were forced to come. Because we have to stand watch. To save this sheep, the Klau Yisrael, from the traps, from the nets of the Apikursim and those who want to destroy Tyra. And ain lechadaver shayimim b'fnei pikuach nefesh. You're not allowed to sit with rishayim, but this is pikuach nefesh. And therefore, he was willing to be a part of the Congress. And when he was there in past for the Congress, he told his son-in-law that I, that I cried more in the marketplace of past during the days of the Congress more than I cried in my house on Tishabov. And he was very upset about it. Um, Later on, eventually, there was the 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 um, the the the, the Yidin Soa, and we talk about it by the Ksav Seifer as well. Even though he was Nifter before the whole thing really came to an end, the Ksav Seifer, um, that they saw the Congress was not working to their favor. The majority was the was the uh, Maskilim, and the majority was the Reform, and they went to the government, to the Charedim, and they said, "We want to secede. We want to separate ourselves because they're not uh, following our interests." And eventually, this was a parsha known as the Tailung in Hungary, which is means secession. That there was the split, and the Charedim eventually um, were able to accomplish that the government agreed that they could split from the main kehila, so to speak, the main group of Jews who were running the show for the quote unquote all the Jews in Hungary, and Shushan Purim of Tough Reish Alamid. The parliament gave uh, a, 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 a gave a law, and they allowed that um, the Congress's rules are no longer obligating the Haredim, and in fact, with this became what was called the Pilug the separation, the secession, known as the Tailung. Um, after that, in Tuf uh, in Tuf Reishlamid, um, the about uh, 130 Rabbonim got together to make an orthodox union, so to speak, in the city of Pest. And they sent out a message to all of the Haredish communities in Hungary to uh, sign on and become a part of them. Just like Rav Shamsim of Al-Hirsch wanted the people in Frankfurt to do. However, many, many communities, they didn't want to. And they said, we're not sure, is it good, is it not good? Sheval Tasa, it's better just not to do anything and not make trouble. And in fact, they gave a name to these kehilas. They called them the kehilas status quo. That's in, in, it's written out in Hebrew like that, and in his Chuvis Maramshik and Chuvis others as well. Um, the kehilas status quo. People didn't want to do anything. And the Maramshik was very, very upset about it. And he went out, Melchama, Betaike, very strong. He has many Chuvis about it. And he says, they're not only are they not helping us, they're actually making us weaker and they're being mimait in the covet of Tyra. You can't be a status quo. By status quo, by definition, means that you're not joining us and you're making problems. And he was very, very upset about it. And the Levushe Mardchai, Zechrein Levracha, um, who was the Rav of Mad 
in, in Hungary, I was at his cover there a few years ago, in Archaim Nun Zayin, he also writes about the Kila status quo a little a few years later, and he writes, So the Ramshik was Nifter um, uh, nine years after this, after the secession. So the Levushe Mordechai is writing this even after that, they were still dealing with the status quo. Um, so to speak, with together with the regular Charedisha uh, communities. And he says, we have nothing other than the words of the Maramshik, that he says, besides his godless in Torah, we have to follow him in Halacha, Lemaisa, Leisr, Leheter, Bilchas Ishos, Umamainais. He says, we have no other Chibur, there is no other book, there is no other composition that talks about these Inyanim, meaning the Inyanim of the status quo, like he has from Simen Lamedalid until Simen Lamedzayin, and Shin Hei until Shin Yud, including Shin Yud, all about the status quo and why it's wrong for Klal Yisrael. So he was the one who really clarified for, for the Haredim exactly what the position should be and why people should join them. And they say over that Reb Shia Belzer, when he had a similar thing going on in a, pretty much in the same time in Galicia, he made his kila called the Machzike Das. And he, they say that the, during the whole Tkufa that he was busy with a split in his, in, in, in his place in Galicia, on his table he always had the Chuvas Maram Shik open because he said, we learn from there the Das Torah, the, the war tactics, the battle tactics of how you approach these topics. So the Maramshik was really the one who, so to speak, wrote the book in exactly how to um, deal with this situation. Now if you remember last week when we talked about Rav Shavuot Hirsch, we said that initially Rav Bamberger, the Würzburger Rav, Last week I was told that by mistake I called the city Würzburger. It's a city called Würzburg. But the Würzburger Rav, Rav Bamberger, first supported Rav Shamsha Valhersh's position. And then for some reason he retracted. And that's what caused many people not to join Rav Shamsha Valhersh's um, split kihila. And uh, it caused him a lot of pain. In Chuvas Maram Shik, um, Simon Shinvav, he actually writes a letter to Rav Bamberger and he says he doesn't understand what he's doing and he tells him at the end, please, I beg of you to please retract and you could admit you made a mistake. He says, we find G'dayle Chazal, even in the Gemara, we find Amoraim that say, Dvaram Shamarti things that I've said before, I made a mistake. And the Chassam Seifer, he says, once gave a Haskama by mistake to a Sefer of a Maskil, and then he got up in public and he asked for Mechila that he made a mistake. You could be Moedal Emes that you made a mistake, and he begs him to please um, retract. So this is how all of a sudden, all these, there's these connections. What was going on in Germany, what was going on in, it was the same thing going on in Hungary, and the Maramshik even was writing to Germany to try to um, help Rav Shamsha and Fall Hirsch's stance in, uh, in Frankfurt. Um, on Gimel Nisan, Tafre Shalam in Gimel 1873, his rabbits in Gittel was Nifter. He remarried the Almona of Rav Chaim, Avram Chaim Arnstein, was a Rav in, uh, in a city nearby, Bartfeld, and uh, that was his second marriage. Um, at the end of his life, he suffered very much. Like we said before, he had a, he had a hard time seeing. His vision was going. 
He went to Vienna to the doctors, like he writes in Evan Ezra Lamed Beis. He writes, I'm coming from the city Vien. I was there, Levakesh, Velachar, Beroifim, Limsum, Muzer, Trufalainai. I was looking, asking the doctors, maybe they have a cure for my eyes. Unfortunately, I can't find any cure for the pain in my eyes. Um, in those days, one of his Talmidim, Reb Shol Brach, um, says that he, he, he found him crying. And the, the, uh, the Maram Shik said, if I would have known that I, I would come to such a point, um, I would have been more careful, I would have been careful to learn more. And Rav Shol Brach told him, says, I don't understand. Would you have learned 25 hours a day? You used every minute to learn. How much more could you have learned? And he said a fascinating thing, the Ramshik. He says, you're right. From the day that I started understanding things, I never wasted one moment that I had the ability to learn Tyra. I didn't waste it. He says, but what's bothering me now is I should have done more Chazara and I should have done less learning new things. Because the way you know things is through Chazara. Don't forget, we said before, he learned the Bavakam a hundred times, certain Masechtas a hundred times, sixty times. But this is what he said, Avcharat, I would have Chazard even more. In Tafresh Lamentes, in 1879, um, he uh, went again to Vienna, and on the way he stopped at the kever of the Chazam Soifer in Pressburg to Davin, and um, the doctors didn't have Eitzah for him, but they told him, you're straining yourself too much, you shouldn't learn Bi'ion. However, he refused to, uh, to, uh, to listen to them, and, um, and like his son writes in the Hakdama to the Chuvist, in the preface to the response, he says, He was like writhing in pain on his bed, and still, he didn't turn anyone away who were asking for his tshuva. Um, and it's like a rhyme, he says, calls man um, that his neshama was still in him. He taught Torah to those near and those far until that day that he was nifter. Um, his, one of his talmidim, um, um, visited him before he was nifter, and he was all um, swollen, all of his limbs were blown up, and it was terrible Yisurim, and he said, he's happy to live with this, the Yisurim, as long as he could be Zaycha to say Shema, um, until Ad Echad, in Shema Yisrael Hashem Hashem Echad, every single day, it's still enough to be alive with all these Yisurim, just to say Shema. And on Shabbos Kodesh, Parshas Vaira, Rosh Chodesh Shvat, Tov Reish 1879, he was Nifter, he was 72 years old, the Levaya was held on Monday, two days later, um, the Sigeter, the Baal Yitav Leiv, uh, eulogized him, t- crying bitterly, and he said that he, he was able to shake out Ganshas from his, uh, from his sleeve, that's where he had it up his sleeve, he was able to shake out Ganshas from his sleeve. And he cried out and he said an interesting thing. He said, Kolzman, that Reb Shmelka Klein from Salish, one of the big Rabban of Hungary, was alive. He says, we were like a segel. A segel has three dots to it. There was the Itavlev, the Maram Shik, and Reb Shmelka. He says, then when Reb Shmelka was nifter, we, me and you remained as a tzere, two dots. He says, and now I'm the only one left as a chirik, as one, as one dot. And uh, he, was, he was buried in the city of Chust, which... Um, which is today in the Ukraine. 
Um, his farm were not printed in, while he was alive. After he was nifter, about a year later, they started printing his tshuvas, Archaim, Yerdeya, and so on and so forth. Sefer Antaryag Mitzvahs, Perkeyavos, Drashas, Lukutei Meramshik. There's some chidushim that he had on Chulin. Uh, not long ago, Mechayin Yerushalayim started printing some um, chidushim from his Ksav Yad, from his writings on the rest of Shas. So I just want to share one piece of, uh, of Maram Shik I came across last week. Um, I give in our shul twice a week at night with the Yerucha program of the base Havad of Lakewood, which I actually run the uh, Midwest Regional Office for the base Havad. So I give a business halacha shir um, twice a week going through in Yanov of Chayshem Mishpat. And last week we talked about um, buying from a Jewish store. And I quoted the Maram Shik there, and the Maram Shik is going through a tshuva about, you know, what are the parameters of when you have to buy from a Jew over a guy. And I guess the one who asked the question said that it's a tircha, it's a bother to go to the Jew's store, does that play a role? And he writes, he says, because of tircha, this is in Chayish uh, Mishma Lamed Aleph at the end, he says, he says, tircha to go buy at the Jew's store is not a svara to, uh, to say that uh, he loses his preference. He says, He says, I don't understand. By going and buying at the Jewish store, you're going to give benefit to a Jew. Do you think it's a small thing to benefit and to, to give livelihood to a Jew? He says, this is included in Gemilas Chasadim to go help a Jew. How could you not want to bother yourself to go help somebody else? And then he says, it says a pasuk in Mishlei, Chafalev, Chafalev, Roidev Tztaka V'Chesed, if you chase after Tztaka and Chesed, Yimatzei Chayim Tztaka V'Chavod. The pasuk says, you'll find life Tztaka and Chavod. So he's saying the pasuk of Roidev Tztaka V'Chesed, chasing after Tztaka, is referring to someone who goes out of his way to go buy at a Jewish store. That's called Roidev Tztaka. You're running towards it, you're going towards it. And he says, such a person, the pasuk says, we will find Hashem will be with him and like he ends off the tshuva and like we said before he signed all his tshuvas Moshe Shik Brezhev Moshe Shik from Brezhev this is the Maram Shik his yard said like I said will be Thursday have a wonderful day everyone Kaltuv